What's going on, everybody? What's up, folks? We are back again. My name is Kevin. I'm Kevin. And this is the Dark Windows Podcast, and this is going to be episode 119. Holy shit. Almost 120 episodes. It's coming. It's coming. We're getting there. So, since uh, since we haven't done one in a while, I wanted to jump back in and do a true crime. But, this one also is not very recent. This took place in the 1920s, actually. Ooh, back when crime was crime. Yeah, uh, back when people were still assholes, and this guy was one of them. Uh-huh. So this week, we are going to talk about Andrew Kehoe, who was the Bath School Bomber. There's been a lot of names that have been hung on this guy over the years. Fiend, monster, maniac. But the one that seemed to have stuck the best was the world's worst demon. And once we start getting into stuff, you'll probably agree with at least one of those monikers. Andrew Kehoe was born in Tecumseh, Michigan in 1872 to parents that owned and operated a very successful farm. Of course, being the 1800s, he was uh, one of 13 children because... Again, like we've said before, that's what you did back then. It was free labor on your farm, you know? Mm-hmm. Have a shitload of kids. All you got to do is feed them. Yep. And not yep. beat them to death. True. <laughs> very, very true. So as a kid, Andrew was always tinkering with stuff. Generally, his big thing was electricity. And his father actually had a quote saying, he played with electricity the, the way other children played sports. So he was pretty good with it. He, you know... He knew a thing or two about electricity okay, and uh, just electrical shit in general. He was always, always dillying with something. So he was, you know, Edison and Einstein and Edison and Tesla were some of his uh, favorite. Yeah, people. except Edison was a piece of shit, too. <laughs> well, OK, maybe, maybe just a little. I mean, I mean, listen, Tesla tried to create a death ray. But Thomas Edison was an asshole. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but he did come up with having electricity in houses. But did he do that or did Tesla do that and he just took credit for it like he did everything else? We've got to do a fucking episode on him sometime. Cause who? Nikola, Nikola Tesla. Tesla. Nikola. That'd be interesting as shit. Death ray, earthquake machines, mysterious death. Yeah. Yeah. Possible time traveler or alien, whichever way you want to go with it. It's That is up for debate. I'm not going to say alien on that one. I'm going to go time traveler because if fucking anybody was going to do it, it was that guy and his mustache. Oh, well, listen. <laughs> Stands in the mirror and he's like, just breathes on it, writes, you know, 1937, twists his mustache a couple of times in each direction and just fucking gone. <laughs> This isn't. This, it's not like the fucking TARDIS. <laughs> you know, he doesn't require. It doesn't require fuel. It's perfectly efficient, and all he has to do is make sure he has a mustache and a mirror. Time travel. But will well like the TARDIS? Though will his mustache translate anything for him? I think so. I'm gonna see why not. Oh, so it's it's basically. But his mustache is his weakness. Then it's like I said. All he has to do is protect his mustache. <laughs> He'd be like Samson, you know, from the uh, if if he got his haircut, he lost his power. Right. Except it's a mustache. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that sweet, sweet womb broom. Yes. Soup strainer. Ooh. 
So let's let's stop talking about fun stuff and get back into this because this is not going to be fun. God, we get off on tangents. But at least this one was at least relevant. Okay. All right. You all know. Right, all right. So after the death of his mother in 1890, he enrolled at Michigan State College in East Lansing, which is now Michigan State University. I guess go Spartans, but also fuck you guys because Notre Dame and stuff. Go Wolverines? Neither. Okay. I don't like the Spartans. I don't like them. I like Notre Dame. And they're in the same area, so. Uh, uh, Yes, I I grew up. Fuck them clowns. I grew up watching Notre Dame, so. Exactly. Yes. I mean, no disrespect to anybody in Michigan, but fuck both your colleges. Irish. So he he would actually, uh, shockingly enough, go there to become an electrical engineer. No fucking way. Right. And you don't just say shockingly. Electrical pun. Oh, you're very punny. I know. It's shocking. Can't use the same one twice, though. I can, too. I just did it. Damn it. Uh-huh. So after a period of time and an unspecified head injury later, he transfers <laughs> to a school in St. Louis. An unspecified there, there was a head injury. They're not sure what happened or how it happened, but there was a head injury. Or was it really a just a head injury? Oh, no. It was an, an actual head injury. And that would probably come into effect later on. Okay. Because as we know, with these fucking crazy motherfuckers like this, head injuries is a real thing. Okay. There's not really any reasoning for why he transferred schools, but he did. He ended up, like I said, at a school in St. Louis. Ooh, he's slumming it. Yeah. Going down to St. Louis. So he ends up graduating and kind of floating around the Midwest working as an electrician and then he would return to the family farm in 1905. Mm-hmm. By then, his father had remarried a much younger woman named Frances. How much younger? Doesn't really didn't really go into it, but his father was in his I want to say 60s or 70s at this point, so she was probably in her 30s. So probably not much older than Andrew. So yeah, I mean that would for the time that would mean you know much younger, right? And. This kind of made Andrew real mad because he was a mother's boy, which, you know, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But in September of 1911, depending on how you want to look at it, either a very tragic accident or a well-calculated and executed plan took place. Really? After a day out, Francine returned to the farm and was planning on starting dinner for the family. She approaches the oil stove and strikes a match to light it, and the stove explodes and it engulfs Francis in flames. Andrew heard his stepmother's cries and ran into the kitchen and found her on the floor, rolling and screaming, trying to put the fire out. I'm sure he ran fast. Oh, I he mean, did. I bet you he was just sprinting. He ran right there, but he ran right there with a bucket of water and dumped it on her. Ooh, dumb shit. Which anybody that knows if you dump water on an oil fire, it spreads. Yeah. He should have run with either, I don't know, probably baking powder or baking soda, because I was going to say salt, because salt will put out an oil fire as well, but salt on a burning human would no. probably suck no, no, every no, no, no. single dick that's ever existed. No, you don't want to do that. No. You want no, you know, like a like a baking soda, a, a I powder think, of I think some it sort. Actually, I, uh, I'm not 100% on this. Somebody 
if you correct me, that'd be great. But um, I would think that the salt on it would possibly seal it in and maybe like create more injury inside. Yes, it it would. I mean, because you're literally dumping salt into an open wound. Yeah, but I mean, salt. I mean, that's it's supposed to sting or whatever. But I mean, but you're on fire. So, like I said, like baking powder, baking soda, something like that, because um, you that would that helps to take the oxygen away from the fire. So would this be the case of when you say that girl is on fire? Oh Jesus Christ! I, oh, that was mean, dude. What? Um, what? We talking about? But you would think this guy being. A very smart person. He's an electrical engineer in the early 1900s, which you can't be fucking stupid and do that. Mm-hmm. You would think that you would know you don't dump water on an oil fire. Come on. You don't know that shit. So one quote that I found reads as such. The flames liquefied what little skin she had left. Her muscles roasted to the bone and left her little more than a blackened lump. The tragedy was chalked up to a faulty stove. But yet again, after the events that we're going to get to, a lot of people would kind of change their thought process on this quote-unquote accident. Mm. He had something to do with it. He sure fucking did. I'm pretty confident he rigged the stove up to explode. Okay. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to cheerlead for this guy because uh, he's a piece of shit. And I'm pretty confident that he was smart enough to figure out how to Make a stove, I explode with, you know. And I exploded. And I exploded and killed her. Mm. <clears throat> you better watch out for that kilt. I've got two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's... Anyway, let's get serious here. Jesus. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, hey, hey. Leave that man out of it. <sighs> so Kehoe would remain single until he was 40. And at this point in time, he would marry a 38-year-old woman named Nellie Price, who was a uh, a girl that he had actually attended Michigan State with. Um, well, that's nice. Right, yeah. So, that you know, they'd known each other for a while. Well, of course. Seven years after getting married, they would buy an 80-acre farm. Woo! They would put down $12,000, which was half the asking price, which in today's money would be about $207,000. Wow. Which for, Hold on, say that again? They, they put down $12,000, uh-huh. which was half the asking price of the entire property. Oh, Dave Ramsey would be fucking happy with, uh, happy with a piggy and shit with them. Because so, that's more than 20% over what they're supposed to put down. That's 50%. It is. It's fucking good. So, I, I, like again, like I said, that's uh, $207,000 in today's money, which $207,000 for an 80-acre farm is pretty good still. I mean, no fucking actually, no, it would be like... $414,000 for the entire farm. There's no way you're getting a no. 80 acre land well around here. I mean maybe maybe Midwest west you're going to yeah. maybe come close to that but around here no fucking I mean, way. Find me fucking 80 acres of farmable land in Vermont that's not already populated. I'll wait. There is <laughs> few and far between though. Well, on the western side of the state. Right. I mean, but a lot of it, and some of it's, uh, a lot of it's forest. Right. To, part, you know, other areas. So the property that they would buy was in Bath, Michigan, which is just north of Lansing and about an hour and a half north of, of where his family farm in Tecumseh was. 
Bath at the time was a small, tight-knit farming community that was not unlike most other small Midwestern farm towns. Just everybody knew everybody. Everybody did their chore in. They got their shit done. And they just, you know, that was life. Mm -hmm. Andrew and Nellie were welcomed immediately into the new community. Um, The locals saw Andrew as unusually smart, friendly, and capable as a a neighbor. Mm -hmm. His neighbors really liked him, and one would even say, if anything was wrong, he'd come to our place to fix it. Another local man, Monty Ellsworth, who ran a wholesale butcher shop, he needed help setting up a new boiler system. It was a steam boiler at the time. Uh-huh. It says, Mr. Kehoe came to help me, which he did readily. He ran the pipes to the scalding tanks and showed me uh, and showed me all, all about the boiler. Being no mechanic myself, I had some trouble from time to time uh, with the boiler, and I would always ask Mr. Kehoe, and he would come right up to fix it. Wouldn't even take any money for his work. What a fucking guy. What a fucking guy. Jeez. So one of the, one of the kind of funny things with this story that I found was, well, most of their farmers in the area would go out into the fields, you know, obviously in their work clothes and boots, you know, you're uh-huh. farmers, you're not going to go out there, whatever. Kehoe would actually go out on his tractor in his business, in his best business suit and polished shoes, <laughs> which I've heard other stories about people like this, like kind of like back in like the thirties and forties and fifties, kind of like. You know, your dad gets home and he's got to he's got to go work on something. He's not going to change his clothes. He's out there fucking mowing the lawn with his sleeves rolled up and his work shoes and this, that, and the other. You know, working on the car with a fucking tie like flung over his shoulder or whatever. You know, you didn't want to waste the time to go in and change. You wanted to get shit done. Uh, I don't know. Not necessarily. I think during that time. Your wife's going to yell the shit out of you if you fuck up your clothes because she's going to be the one cleaning them. And then you're going to put her in her place like you do in the 50s. (laughs) Am I wrong? (laughs) Shit's changed since then, obviously. And then you're you're ended up with burnt fucking food for Listen, listen. I do more laundry than my wife. I do the dishes more often than my wife. We cook about about even. Uh She can bake. I fucking suck at baking. I can make a stew like a motherfucker, though. You know that. Eh, (coughs) fuck you (laughs) my stew's better than yours you piece of shit I don't make a stew exactly so if his hands got too dirty he would drop whatever he was doing run to the house immediately and wash them Mm -hmm. if he noticed any stains sweat or otherwise on his clothing he would then go home and change completely but it wasn't like into shitty clothes it was just back into whatever was in the closet you know yeah he was very meticulous when it came to, you know, anytime his tools got used, they got cleaned and they got put back in their exact spot. You know, people back then wouldn't have really thought it was, you know, they would have thought maybe he's just real particular about his tools and stuff. No, you take care of your shit. Right. But with all his little eccentricities about not wanting to be dirty or having to change as soon as he, you know, anything got dirty, people would nowadays would kind of assume that he had some kind of a compulsive disorder, whether it be like obsessive compulsive or something of that nature. He was also a pretty sociable guy. Uh, Him and some of the other men in town would get together and play, you know, they'd have a card game once a week or whatever. But he was one of these guys where if you made a mistake or you didn't follow the rules, like right to the book, 
he would flip his shit. He was a complete, like... Oh, he was one of those assholes. Dictionary definition of a rule Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any of those. We have never played with one of those, have we? Really? Really? <clears throat> I know a couple. There might be, you know, one on the show. What? Easy. Calm down now. Listen, just because I like some rules to be, you know. Just because you invest in fucking Himmler Brothers board games? Because you're such a rule <laughs> Nazi? <laughs> Listen. Don't pick on me. If you're going to play the game, you'll follow the rules. Von roll per turn. There's no mulligans. You do not talk about buying a property until it's your turn. You cannot buy the property until second round of board. That's just how it goes. If I see you even so much as come close to flipping that timer over, I will put you in the ground. <laughs> do you hear me? If no. you touch that money in the middle... You are not the bank and leave the money. I slap your head. <laughs> so a, a lot of this would actually kind of lead to the mask slipping a little bit where people would get little glimpses of the controlling sadist that was actually inside trying to come out. <laughs> Let me help. It, like this is where like this is part of it. What I'm talking about is he had a neighbor that had a dog that. Being a dog Shit on his property, huh? No, being a dog oh. and doing what dogs do, which is kind of bark constantly. Yeah, he went out and killed his neighbor's dog because it got on his nerves. <laughs> Again, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> I told you, Rogers, shut your fucking dog up. All right, you won't do it, dude. He's just barking. <laughs> Boof. Well. He also had a run-in with a stubborn horse that he owned. Uh, the animal was exhausted and overworked after a long, hot day in the fields. And when the horse refused to do any more work, he beat the horse to death with a large, like, wooden object that he had on the wagon. I'm guessing probably, like, uh, some kind of a, a fucking... Post or something? Like a handle or some shit, like, for a tool. Holy fucking beat a horse to death with it. That's That's pretty fucking rugged. So, again... A piece of shit. Wow, we. This guy ticks off a couple of like real like giant piece of shit boxes here. Um, yeah. So let's kind of get into what is most commonly cited for his reasoning for his future actions, which was how much he hated taxes. And I'm with him on that. I don't disagree on that. But I wouldn't go as far as this guy did. Okay, so we are right back. We are. Ever since the founding of Bath, the children of town had attended a small one-room schoolhouse where students of all ages shared the same teacher, Little House on the Prairie style. Oh, yeah. School ended in 10th grade. But in the summer of 1921, the town decided that it was time to upgrade to a more modern school for the betterment of the children in town. This schoolhouse would have separate classrooms for each grade from kindergarten to 12th grade. Now, to get the funding for the new school, the town does what the town does and raises taxes. They raise the taxes to $12.26 per $1,000 of property valuation. Okay. So they are taxing the balls right off of Andrew Kehoe because his property is worth a lot of fucking money. 
and they just raised it even more and they changed it to instead of a base like this is what you pay in property taxes it's this is what you pay per how much your property is worth yeah in the fall of 1922 the bath consolidated school would open with 236 students being bussed in from other surrounding towns Mm. even though most of the town saw the school as a good thing there was a small but very vocal group that bitterly opposed it not because they didn't want children to have a better education or have, you know, a better school to attend. They were mad because they were getting the shit taxed out of them. Wow. Andrew Kehoe, who had over the years started becoming more involved in local civic affairs and whatnot, was one of the most outspoken members of the group that opposed the new building. He was so critical because he didn't think it was fair for people like him and a few others who are childless to have to be part of footing the bill for a school that he had no vested interest in. I get it. I, I, but, I understand that. You know, you have to pay your taxes for a reason, unfortunately. I mean, what if, you know, you want to have kids or, you know... Right. Something. I mean, or if your nieces or nephews or something like that. Right. I mean, yeah, there, I could see if you're, if, I mean, I guess if I could see if you're like an old person or whatever who doesn't have any kids, but I mean. There's a still. lot more senseless things to be taxed for than a school. Yeah. I mean, like what we're going through in Pittsburgh. Yeah. They raised our taxes because they are widening the main drag of Route 7 and they have to put a sidewalk on each side of it whatever that was already a town project for five years from now where they were going to do a sidewalk so after they're done widening route seven and they put the sidewalk in when the state does it five years after that when the town wants to officially have gone through and do it they're going to tear those sidewalks up raise our taxes and redo them that's fucking stupid well no because they're not going to do that yes they are they're going to have to tear them up (laughs) well they're, They're still going to raise their taxes on it, I guarantee it. No, because the state already paid for it. No. So, that can't happen. <laughs> so, in 1924, I'm not real sure how this happened, he represented the group of upset town folks in an election and was appointed okay. treasurer of the school board. So, the guy that doesn't want to have any money thrown at this new school is now the guy in control of the money at the new school. <laughs> okay. So there's that. Hmm. The entire three years that he spent on the school board, he would butt heads with other members and would most of the time end up on the losing side of the battles that he was usually starting. The person he seemed to run up against the most frequently was Emery Huck, who was the school superintendent, who was a much-loved and respected member of the community and was an was actually a driving force be- behind getting the school funded in the first place. He was the superintendent of the previous school, and I believe he was also the principal. So he was a guy who was always very invested in the school and the education system and, you know, the kids and all that. So we're going to jump ahead to 1926, where Maud Detloff, who was the town clerk, died suddenly and unexpectedly. 
and Kiho was asked to fill the role. Oh, that sucks. So even though he was eager to take the mantle as the, you know, the, the town clerk, mm-hmm. his fellow party members like in the school board refused to nominate him in the next election because he was an abrasive, cranky prick. And he was he rubbing people the wrong way and had been for quite some time. And you don't really want somebody like that in public office. Unfortunately, if you look at our political system, that's all we have in public office is our, our, people that we that don't need to be there. Our abrasive pricks. Yeah. And most of them are real fucking stupid and they will take money from whoever the highest bidder is to do what they want and completely throw their conscience out the window. And that applies to both sides of the aisle. Yeah, yeah that's that's definitely true. So if anybody wants to say, oh, you're going to do this or you're that. No, we're not. I fucking hate them all. Yeah. In late 1926, Kehoe is stewing with emotions. He's filled with resentment, humiliation, powerlessness, hostility. And he's just becoming, he's become increasingly paranoid in a very short period of time. His political career has kind of gone stagnant. He's been rejected for the position that he wanted. And unfortunately, on top of that, his wife, Nellie, had contracted TB to the point that she required consistent medical attention. That sucks. So this is a lot of shit piling up on one man all at the same time. Yeah. Yes, we've seen this a lot, even with some of the stuff we've done on just on our show. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, um, was it Sean, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Guy that stole a tank. Yeah. Had a bunch of shit going on, but he was yeah. also fucking crazy. Um, but I mean, you just, you see this constantly with people that go through with things like what he's about to do. Well, then, then, then there's the opposite end of the spectrum where you don't have any of that bullshit, but, you know, you still, well, are an asshole and you... Right, right. Well, this guy was an asshole, and then he also had a bunch of shit thrown at him at the same time. Yeah. So he's got a lot on his plate. Exactly. And with everything going on, his monetary situation had gotten real bad to the point that he couldn't keep up with his mortgage payments. Because mm, he's, you know, he's trying to pay for his wife's medical care and... You know, maintenance around the farm and stuff. He's not He's not making his mortgage payments. Because, I mean, the cost of, you know, having somebody in the hospital for TB is right. not cheap. No. In the fall of that year, the deputy shows up on his porch and knocks on the door and hands him a foreclosure notice. Keo said to the deputy, if it hadn't been for that damn school tax of $300, I might have been able to pay off my mortgage. The deputy didn't really think too much about that comment until later on, a couple years from from now. Unsurprisingly, considering how uh, how obsessive he was, it should come to no surprise that his property was also very, very well maintained. Um, There's no stumps. There's no boulders. Um, any trees that don't serve a purpose for like shade or anything like that are gone. The ground is flat. There's it's immaculate. Couldn't ask for any for better property. Yep. To get rid of these unwanted objects, he used a combination of dynamite and pyrotol, which was an explosive that was used during World War One. Um, that was basically just made of gunpowder, essentially. Hmm. The neighbors very quickly became used to the sound of the explosions on his property. Um, what they didn't know is that he had been stockpiling explosives since 1925. And they definitely didn't understand his reasoning for stockpiling 
the explosives. The other members of the school board would ask him to do some repairs on the school's electrical system because of his know-how with electrical systems, obviously. Yeah. They told him that the work had to be done either before or after hours, and he was given a key to the school. So let's recap here. Super pissed off because the school was built and his taxes went up. He has, he has a key to the school. He has explosives. And he has a fucking ton of explosives. Do we see where this is going yet? Uh, no, I don't. I, I really don't. I don't. I, I, I just I just don't get it. I don't see it. <laughs> this one made me fucking mad to like even read about it. I was like, this piece of fucking shit. Shortly after he started working on the school, he started slowly and very, very carefully stashing away dynamite and pyrotol in the school's basement. All in all, he would load over 600 pounds of pyrotol into 30-pound sacks, 10 bushel baskets full of dynamite, which for anybody not familiar, a bushel is between 55 and 60 pounds usually, a dozen blasting caps, wiring, batteries, and an alarm clock. These last few items were uh, were there to be turned into a kind of a crude timer device. Yeah. In the weeks leading up to the to May 18th, 1927, some visitors to Keo's farm noticed a bunch of copper wiring that had been he had strung between like the out how, like the outbuildings and his house. And all this, like he had, he had strung it up high, like through the, like up by the roofing and all that. Mm-hmm. Didn't really understand what he was doing, thinking, you know, well, he's kind of a weird guy. He's always tinkering with electricity anyway. Maybe he's trying to, trying to figure out a way to run power, maybe run a switch from the house to, uh, to the barn or <clears throat> something like that. This wasn't the average tinkering project, unfortunately. On May 16th, 1927, he goes to the hospital where Nellie is staying. Told the staff he wanted to wanted to bring her home so she could spend a few days at their place, you know, just out in the country, enjoying life, you know, while she still can, basically. Mm-hmm. Nothing's really known about what happened the following day. But on May 18th, he sat Nellie at the kitchen table and caved her skull in with a heavy object. Not real sure what it is. Um... I'd seen some things where it was some kind of a metal rod or a rolling pin or something like that. Wait a minute. He gets his wife home. Yep. And then. Yep. Yep. Like I said, real piece of shit. Okay. I can see where he's going with this. Yeah. Cause he's like, okay, I want to, this, this is a, this is a, I can there's been so many people that have done shit like this too. Like this is like fucking like Max Gelman, uh, Charles Whitman, the Austin, uh, the University of Texas sniper did the same fucking thing, kill his whole family, then went fucking bananas on the public. Yeah. <clears throat> so he then loaded her body into a, a cart and took her out behind the chicken coop and dumped her there. He then went into the barn and hobbled all of his horses by uh, by wrapping wire tightly around their ankles. Um, so basically what this is doing is he's wrapping it so tight that it's cutting into their skin, like cutting into the tendons so they can't go anywhere. He would then to go. 
He would then go to the tool shed, get a saw, and cut down all of the trees surrounding the house. And I'm sure as soon as he was done with the saw, he went and put it right in the exact same spot where it was supposed to be. Then loaded up his Ford pickup with old iron and steel tools, nails, bolts, and other scrap metal, and just to spice things up, threw a couple handfuls of sticks of dynamite in there too. With commencement the next day, most of the seniors had stayed home on the 18th. The ones that did go to school were there to take their final exams, and they were going to show up later in the day. Even with less people in the school, there was still somewhere between 250 and 260 children and staff in the building. At 8.15 a.m., 10 minutes after the first bell had rung, the nearly 1,200 pounds of explosives in the basement detonated. The entire north wing of the school was destroyed instantly. Historian Arnie Bernstein said, quote, Dynamite and pyrotol combined in a powerful ball of energy. This forced the wall of the north wing upward about four feet. They then fell back down to earth, collapsing outward with a crash of wood, glass, plaster, and iron. The roof of the building slammed down onto the crumbling walls. A cloud of dust hovered above the ruins. For a moment, there was silence and then a cacophony of screams. The sound of the blast traveled throughout the farmlands of Bath Township, continued to echo for miles beyond. The explosion was so powerful that it blew the windows out of nearby houses and knocked people over that were walking down the streets. Within minutes, hundreds of townsfolk would arrive on the scene and start digging through the still-burning wreckage. Emery Huck was one of the first on scene. Huck supervised rescue operation, as people dragged the broken and dead bodies of the children of Bath Township from the building. Some of the the children that were pulled from the twisted, burning rubble had nothing more severe than light scrapes and burns. Two teachers and 36 students, some from the same families, would be dead from the initial blast. On the other side of town, about five minutes after the school exploded, Kehoe left his farm with his truck bomb and headed for town. As he left, an electrical charge ran through the copper wiring from the house to the other buildings on the property and detonated the stockpile of explosives that he had planted around the property. His entire farm exploded. He pulled the truck up to the scene of the school and stepped out. He looked on at what he had done and then noticed Emery Huck and called him over to him. him. As the superintendent got to the truck, Kehoe reached into the cab and grabbed a gun. Uh, Witnesses kind of couldn't agree whether it was a pistol or a rifle. At this point, it doesn't really matter. He fired into the back of the truck, which caused another large explosion. Both men were ripped apart instantaneously, and hot metal shrapnel fragments tore through six other victims, including children. 75-year-old Nelson McFerrin was killed instantly. His son-in-law, Glenn Smith, who was the town postmaster, had a leg torn off at the thigh and bled out quickly at the scene obviously you have your leg torn off above the knee you're gonna bleed out like real fast yeah because there's a lot of important veins and arteries in there yeah yeah eight-year-old cleo clayton was struck in the torso with a six inch long bolt and died a few hours later in the hospital as bad as this whole event was it should have been worse after all the smoke had cleared uh the police searched the building They make their way down into what's left of the basement. They find another nearly 600 pounds of explosives that had not detonated. 
if the entire payload <clears throat> if the entire payload had blown up, it would have been somewhere around 3% of the explosive power of the atomic bombs dropped in Japan. 3% doesn't really sound like a a big number, but considering the atomic bombs that were dropped on Japan during World War II were the equivalent of 30 million sticks of dynamite. So it's a pretty sizable explosion, you yeah. know. If the rest of the explosives had gone off, the school would have been utterly destroyed and countless more lives would have been lost. Who knows what else that would have done to the town? Because mm-hmm. an explosion that size, you're going to leave a fucking crater wherever it is. When investigators reached Kehoe's farm, the first thing they saw as they pulled down the driveway was a wooden sign hanging from the fence. And it says, criminals are made, not born. This was his way of trying to justify what he had just done. Place the blame for the tragic events of May 18th, 1927, squarely on the laps of the townspeople of Bath. It wasn't his fault all those kids died. It was theirs. Of course, you know. Why, why fucking take the blame? Yeah, why, why take the blame for something that you planned and executed with... Horrific consequences. It wasn't your fault. You were pushed to do that. Sure. They found his farm smoldering. His house and outbuildings were completely destroyed. His tractors and equipment were so, had gotten so hot that they were nothing more than melted heaps of slag. And his wife Nellie's body had been reduced to a blackened lump, the same as the horses. Like, but other- did your wife deserve to fucking to die too? I think... Or were you just fucking sick of paying the bill for? Well, let, let me let me say this. So, no, she absolutely did not deserve to die. But he probably looked at it like he was doing her a favor by ending it quickly, instead of letting her cough to death in a hospital. No, I think he was just he was sick of paying for things, because that was another bill he had to pay for, which was for his wife to be in there, and. You know, he just, I, I, it just sounds like he had enough of paying bills, paying, you know, paying for, just paying for things. Yeah. But I mean, also at this point in time, he has completely lost his goddamn mind. And you kind of think, well, if I'm going to die, I might as well take her with me too, so that she doesn't have to be here without me and she doesn't have to hear about what I did yeah, and be ashamed of me and what, you know, of the relationship that we've had for the last, you know, 15, 20 years at this point. Yep. Like other places where massive tragedies like this happened, it became an instant tourist attraction. The vultures came out. There's an estimate, and this is a conservative estimate from the time, that 85,000 cars passed through Bath Township the Sunday following the the school bombing. 85,000 cars full of tourists that wanted to see the wreckage of the school and the farm. 85,000 cars full of tourists that would leave with postcards with pictures of the bushels of unexploded dynamite, the wreckage of the school, and the wreckage of the farm and truck. They just made postcards out of this shit. Like, hey, here's some real weird shit that just happened. You want a postcard? That'll be a fucking nickel, son. For as terrifying and horrific as the events were, the few days that the story would be front page news across the country... It was very, very quickly pushed out of the headlines when on May 21st, 1927, Charles Lindbergh touched down just outside of Paris, completing the first flight across the Atlantic Ocean. 
and the events of the Bath School bombing and the name Andrew Kehoe were pushed right off the paper and into history. So just for a second, kind of think, how often do you see some act of terrorism or a mass shooting or something fucking awful happen? And then two or three days later, it just doesn't exist anymore. <clears throat> Not. It happens all the fucking time. It really does. It's like think think of the last uh, the last mass shooting at a school. Can you name Can you name that kid that did it? Nope. Uh, I, I I don't I don't remember ever remember his name, but I know I can remember him. Right. But shit like this. Well, some. Yeah, I can remember. Who, I mean, I know what he did and right. who he was. I just don't remember. I don't remember his name just right. because, you know, I didn't. I mean, hell, I don't even remember the fucking kids of Columbine what their names were. So I don't really. Can, can anybody name the guy that shot up the fucking movie theater in Colorado uh, during Batman? Well, supposedly did. Allegedly, whatever. <laughs> we're not going to get too Alex Jonesy here, but I think he was right on that one. I'm pretty sure he fucking Um, was. But, like, shit like that where it should have more attention than it, you know, it gets all this attention. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, it was like it never fucking happened. Because the the media has been the same way forever. It's like, yes, you have to focus on what's actually happening and what's new, you know, being the news. But... Mm -hmm. Things like this, like, I had never even fucking heard of this until I picked up a book. Weird little tie-in. At the end of the chapter that this was in, in the book that I was reading it from, there's a little blurb about the Wall Street bombing. It's like, hmm. Call back there, but... So, yeah, that was the the Bath School bombings in Bath, uh, Bath, Michigan in 1928 and Andrew Kehoe, who I hope is being anally penetrated in hell with a sandpaper dildo forever. You hurt kids and you hurt animals. Fuck you in the face. Those are my two things. Like, I mean, cocksucker. The thing is, is like, Part of me is like, you know, like, fuck this guy. But also part of me is going, I want to know why he, you know, what was his thinking behind it and why he did it? Because there has to be, because I mean, you know, it wasn't like he was an asshole pre, I mean, he was an asshole previous, but it wasn't like he had anything else. It wasn't like he had anything else leading up to this that was like. You know that that he did. I mean, I think the head injury helped. I don't think I don't uh, because you got to you got to think if you get hit in the head hard enough, that can literally change how your brain works. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't think that. I mean, look look at. I, I know a lot of people out there would don't like to think about this, but look at Chris Benoit. Getting fucking you, you, you get your fucking brains scrambled for as long as you did, he did. And oh, you just yeah. snap and do something that nobody saw coming. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's well, you know, I mean, look, it's CTE, and like you have, a, if you get bat, a bad enough concussion, even if it's just the one, it can rearrange how your like the fucking electrical circuits in your brain. Yeah, but it's not even that. It's like it's just 
even people who have PTSD or whatever, I mean, look at them. They You're right. You know, ended up killing their wives or girlfriends or whatever, and then they end up turning it on themselves and kill themselves. Well, I think the suicide at the end of it is after realizing, holy fuck, I, I, I did this. Yeah. And I also think maybe that was part of the reason that he planned on offing himself as well to go, if I'm going to go, I might as well fucking go all the way. Yeah, but at the same time, there you know there was there was things that just that were triggers to him that yeah. triggered him to you know to do this shit, and one of them happened to you know, and I think the last straw for him was the raising of the taxes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because that's what you know, like he the the he said to the the police officer, hey, you know, if it hadn't been for those, you know. There's damn taxes being raised, you know, I would have paid this off already. Yeah. By now. Exactly. But, I mean, you know, and then that's just kind of the, the as I say, the straw that broke, broke the camel's back. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then having the, the, the sheriff come, you know, really took it to a higher scale. And he was like, all right, well. All right, I'm, I snapped, and I'm going to go do something about this now. The I'm part gonna... that bothers me the most is who he targeted for his revenge. Yeah. He could have gone down and blown up fucking Town Hall, and I wouldn't have been like, whatever, who cares? You, you killed a bunch of kids. Yeah. I mean, he, he you if, know, if he had done it without kids in the building. Right. If, if he had fucking planned all this shit and blown the motherfucker up in the middle of the night, whatever. Yeah. Nobody got hurt. Exactly. But he targeted kids because he knew. Or maybe maybe it wasn't so much about the kids. <sighs> I mean, I'm not saying it was because, I mean, the kids are, kids are kind of innocent to it. You know, it's just he. He was making a point. Yeah. The same reason that fucking Timothy McVeigh, who scoped out that goddamn building for as long as he did. Decided to park a fucking truck bomb directly under the daycare center. He was making a point. Yeah. You kill kids, you get more attention for what you're trying to do. That's another guy that's pretty much, you know, a lot of shits. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> this this has got a, this like smacks of a lot of different things that happened previous and after. You know, yep. it's. <clears throat> I mean, the only one that doesn't really smack up is the. Uh, uh, Boston Marathon bombing. No, no, no. I, it it wasn't the. It, well, I mean, the Boston that was an act of. I mean, it, this was an act of terrorism too, but it, it's a different kind of terrorism. This one I feel is so much worse because he knew exactly who he was targeting. True. Well, the, I mean, they did too. They knew who exactly who they were targeting. Right, but that. You're not setting up these bombs to take out fucking runner number 362 or whatever. No, no, no. This is That's more random, chaotic terrorism. Yeah. This, he knew exactly who he was killing. He knew exactly who he was making, the who he was getting his, his point across to by attacking this specific thing. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, that's, you know, yeah, you're right, yeah. I can't disagree there. I, I mean, that, it's not like, you know, fucking 9-11 was like, you know, hey, there's this one guy works on, like, floor, like, 65. Real piece of shit. You know what we should do? Fly a fucking plane into it. Kill him. You know? 
I think that's and this possibly is, what they did. This is so much worse to me. You know, I... Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And like I said, it's because he killed kids specifically. If you wanted to get, like, you know, if you wanted to get this point across by just getting rid of the school, that'd be one thing. But he didn't. He set that timer to go off at 8.45, right after the first bell rang, so he made sure everybody was in class. There's nobody milling around, and it fucking went off then. That's... That's a that's a real point getter. It's cold blooded, calculated terrorism. Yeah, you know. Yep. Now, just just like the the Wall Street bombing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was set to go off at a specific time, mm-hmm. and it for maximum went, effect. Yeah, and it went off at that period of time, and fucking killed a lot of people. Yeah. So, anyway... <laughs> for the reasoning... For what? Who knows? Some political prisoner horse shit? Maybe. Who knows? No. No one knows. No, Because no one's ever claimed it. No one ever claimed it. No one, you know, came forward. No. That, that's one that's never been solved and probably never will be. Definitely. Because... <coughs> and that... Yeah. Real eye-getter, you know? Cause, yeah. And I don't think there... I mean, I guess other than this one, you know... Hasn't been really any others. I mean, t- attention grabbers, you know, like that. Not that we've covered yet. I mean, I guess you could say technically, you could actually really say the Boston mass Boston bombers bomber thing was kind of the marathon bombing was was kind of that too, because I mean, Oklahoma City was too. Yeah, but that was also a lot of like. But I think Oklahoma City was a lot kinda, of like I want revenge for something. That yeah, it had it, nothing to do with me. It wasn't like an effect thing like, hey, you know, okay, specific time, it's going to happen. Boof. You know, the the uh, this bombing at the school, you know, school. Right. Specific time. He planned this shit. The like, Boston bombing, marathon bombing, that was a specific time. I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. Oklahoma City was too. He wanted to make sure everybody was there for work that was going to be there, and that's, and again, true. He's no matter what anybody wants to say, where they're like, "Well, he just parked in the parking garage." No, he didn't. He scouted that building out for weeks in advance. He knew exactly where he was putting it. He knew it. What everything in that building was. He was. He had been in the building beforehand. Yep. He knew exactly where everything was, and he put that truck there for an exact reason. Yeah. Because fuck the feds and fuck their kids. Very true. But there's a lot of re- like real weird shit that goes into that one too, like the fact that the fucking FBI and ATF offices were both completely empty that day. But, you know, that's again more deep ass conspiracy stuff that we'll get to at some point when we cover that eventually, but <laughs> yeah. You know, but anyway, that's uh, that's what I got for this one. Cool. Yeah, yeah. glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucking crazy shit. Yep. So yeah, yeah. that would anyway, be bad. So with that said, go over to studio.com. Yeah, check buddy. them out right now because right now, as I'm, we're recording this, they are doing a twenty five percent off all their items. And 
Here's a really good one right now. You can get an extra 15% off when you put a promo code of DarkWindows15 in. You can get more off. Are, are you sure that's that's active now? Okay. I wanted to make sure because I knew it was, I thought it was something they were doing for Black Friday. So No, no, no. I just put it in, man. Okay, cool. I, I, I just to... wanted to make sure. I was like, wait a minute. Is that already up? Or, or at least try to you know, right. put, that, put that in because I'm pretty sure I just did it because I was trying to order a pair of headphones. Um, earbuds, you know, something like that. He's not going to be a poor anymore. He got some Clars <laughs> stepping his shit up. A poor. Now, if we can just get him to sit closer to the microphone, be perfect. You know what? <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Until we get fucking, re- you know. Dude, the, the things slide. Like, you can pull her right to the edge of the table. Listen, maybe one of our, our listeners will, you know, be nice enough to send me one of those fucking, you know, mics that I can just boom in and out. Nobody's going to spend $200 on you. All right, fine. I'm not even going to spend $200 myself until we have it. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. So go over to studio.com. Check them out. Headphones, earbuds, Bluetooth speaker. They got it all. Want noise canceling or you don't really give a shit about noise canceling? You know, they got they got what you want. Check them out and put the promo code of DarkWindows15 in. Get 15% off your entire purchase. And right now, they're doing 25% off your entire purchase as well. So just go check them out. Also, you can go over to... Darkwindowspod.com. You can find links to all of our social media. You can find links to our Age of Radio page where you can go list to every episode of this dog shit that we've put out. <laughs> uh, you could also go find some, like, you could find your next favorite show on there, too. Yes, or, yeah, your next favorite show. I'm not going to say your next least favorite show because. That's us. Well, we're your least favorite show. And no, I'm proud no, of that. No, 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 no. We're your next least favorite. Right, so there's one show that you like less than us, but just a little. Yeah. It makes us feel special. Exactly. Um, you want sports? We got it. You want true crime? We got a bunch of that. You want comic books? We got comic books, too. You, you want, want uh, you want some history, some weird shit? We got that, too. Self-help, motivational stuff. There's something for everybody over mm-hmm. there. Remember I was joking about a D&D podcast? I think there's one now. <laughs> some bitch. Yeah, it beat us to it. You know. Mother- anyway. We, I, were gonna do, we were going to do the best one of them all. We had to play D and D more than once, though, to be able to do it. That's true. So well, we can try. We can. Um, yeah, well, and that's uh, that's everything. I mean, uh, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you can. You can yeah, and, and uh, just fuck. You want to email us? You can hit us up darkwindowspod at gmail dot com. You can you know send us criticism, constructive or otherwise. Or you can just you want to send us stories for us to read? Fuck yeah, let's do that too. And if you and if you want to go right directly to the sources, you know you can definitely find uh, you know, Kevin and go I. Go right to the horses' mouth. Yes, which the horses. Ho- horses horse eyes. horses is is plural of horses, which would mean more than one horses. Ah, yes, multiple horse, horses. Multiple horse eye. Or no, anyway, no, because that sounds like horse eye, and that's weird. Oh, okay. Well, you can horses. find horses. Horses. That's like five horses. Oh. So that's like, we're talking like 50 individual horses at that point. In time. Oh, oh, gotcha. It's horses like a, is. Okay, there's a multiplication in time. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Horse is, is. Is, was. No, say it with me. Horses is. Horses is. There we go. We got the right measurement now. Okay. So, yes. You know, you can, you can chat with us on Facebook, you know. I'm Kevin Heyer. And, like, I'm Kevin Carlton. So, you know, I mean, if you want to, you know, be like, jump on there and be like, hey. Be like, hey, you guys are fat and dumb. And be like, I know. But, I've seen us. <laughs> like, yeah, your voice sounds stupid. I'm like, duh. And Kevin sounds worse. I mean, so 
Then yeah. you figure out which one is which. That's true. <laughs> uh, I'm the one with the fabulous hair. I'm the one with a big dumb you, face. You got nothing yeah. going on for you, man. It's okay. I got the big it happens. Dumb face. It's okay. So with that being said, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Or does it? Goodbye.